Chapter Twelve, Part One of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mysteries of Paris by Eugène Sue. Chapter Twelve, Part One. Misery. The reader has probably not forgotten that the garret in the Rue du Temple was occupied by an unfortunate family, the father of whom was a working lapidary named Morel. We shall now endeavor to describe the wretched abode of Morel and his children it was six o'clock in the morning a deep silence dwelt around the streets were still deserted for the snow fell fast and the cold biting wind froze as it blew a miserable candle stuck upon a small block of wood and supported by two slips of the same material scarcely penetrated with its yellow flickering light the misty darkness of the garret a narrow low-built place two-thirds of which were formed by the sloping roof which communicated by a sharp angle with the wretched flooring and freely exposed the moss-covered tiles of the outer roof walls covered with plaster blackened by time and split into countless crevices displayed the rotten warm-eaten laths which formed the frail division from other chambers while in one corner of this deplorable habitation a door off the hinges opened upon a narrow staircase the ground of a nameless colour but foul fetid and slippery was partly strewed with bits of dirty straw old rags and bones the residue of that unwholesome and vitiated food sold by the dealers in condemned meat and frequently bought by starving wretches for the purpose of gnawing the few cartilages that may adhere note four it is no uncommon thing to meet in densely crowded parts of paris with persons who openly sell the flesh of animals born dead as well as of others who have died of disease etc so wretched a condition either arises from improvidence and vice or from unavoidable misery misery so great so overwhelming and paralyzing as to enfeeble every energy and to render the unhappy object of it too hopeless too despairing even to attempt to extricate himself from the squalor of his utter destitution and he crouches in his dirt and desolation like an animal in its den during the day morel's garret was lighted by a species of long narrow skylight formed in the descending roof framed and glazed and made to open and shut by means of a pulley and string but at the hour which we are describing a heavy fall of snow encumbered the window and effectually prevented its affording any light the candle placed on morel's working-table which stood in the centre of the chamber diffused a kind of halo of pale sickly beams which gradually diminishing was at last lost in the dim shadow which overspread the place in whose murky duskiness might be seen the faint outline of several white-looking masses on the work-table which was merely a heavy and roughly cut wooden block of unpolished oak covered with grease and soot lay loosely scattered about a handful of rubies and diamonds of more than ordinary size and brilliancy while as the mean rays of the small candle were reflected on them they glittered and sparkled like so many coruscating fires morel was a worker of real stones and not false ones as he had given out and was universally believed in the rue du temple thanks to this innocent deception the costly jewels entrusted to him were merely supposed to be so many pieces of glass too valueless to tempt the cupidity of any one such riches confided to the care of one as poor and miserably destitute as morel will render any reference to the honesty of his character quite unnecessary seated on a high stool and wholly overcome by fatigue cold and weariness after a long winter's night passed in unceasing labour the poor lapidary had fallen asleep on his block with his head upon his half-frozen arms and his forehead resting against a small grindstone placed horizontally on the table 
and generally put in motion by a little hand-wheel while a fine steel saw and various other tools belonging to his trade were lying beside him the man himself of whom nothing but the skull surrounded by a fringe of grey hairs was visible was dressed in a shabby fustian jacket without any species of linen or garment underneath it and an old pair of cloth trousers while his worn-out slippers scarcely concealed the blue cold feet they partially covered from resting solely on the damp shiny floor and so bitter so freezing was the sharp winter wind which freely entered into this scarcely human dwelling that spite of the weariness and exhaustion of the overworked artisan his frame shuddered and shivered with involuntary frequency the length of the wick of the unsnuffed candle bespoke the length of time even this uneasy slumber must have lasted and no sound save his troubled and irregular breathing broke the death-like silence that prevailed for alas the other occupants of this mean abode were not so fortunate as to be able to forget their sufferings in sleep yet this narrow pent-up unwholesome spot contained no less than seven other persons five children the youngest of whom was four years of age the eldest twelve a sick and declining wife with an aged grandmother the parent of morel's wife now in her eightieth year and an idiot the cold must have been intense indeed when the natural warmth of so many persons so closely packed together in so small a place could not in any way affect the freezing atmosphere it was evident therefore to speak scientifically that but little caloric was given out by the poor weak emaciated shivering creatures all suffering and almost expiring with cold and hunger from the puny infant to the idiotic old grandmother with the exception of the father of the family who had temporarily yielded to the aching of his heavy eyelids no other creature slept no other because cold starvation and sickness will not allow so sweet an enjoyment as the closing the eyes in peaceful rest little does the world believe how rarely comes that sound healthful and refreshing slumber to the poor man's pillow which at once invigorates the mind and body and sends the willing labourer back to his toil refreshed and recruited by the blessing of a beneficent creator to taste of nature's sweet refreshing balmy sleep sickness sorrow poverty and mental disquietude must not share the humble palate in contrasting the deep misery of the poor artisan with whose woes we are now occupying the reader with the immense value of the jewellery confided to him we are struck by one of those comparisons which afflict while they elevate the mind while the distracting spectacle of his family's want and wretchedness embracing a wide field from cold and hunger to drivelling idiocy constantly before his eyes this man in the pursuance of his daily labour is compelled to touch and handle and gaze upon bright and sparkling gems the smallest of which would be a mine of wealth to him and save those dearest to him from sufferings and privations which wring his very heart would snatch them from the slow and lingering death which is consuming them before his eyes yet amid all these trials and temptations the artisan remains firmly truly and unflinchingly honest and would no more appropriate one of the glittering stones entrusted to him than he would satisfy his hunger at the expense of his starving babes doubtless the man but performed his duty to his employer his simple duty but because it is enjoined to all to be honest and faithful in that which is committed to them does that render the action itself less noble magnanimous or praiseworthy is not this unfortunate artisan so courageously so bravely upright and honest while entrusted with the property of another the type and model of an immense class of working people 
who doomed to a life of continual poverty and privation see with calm patient looks thousands of their brethren rolling in splendour and abounding in riches yet they toil on resigned and unenvying but still industrially striving for bread their hardest efforts cannot always procure and is there not something consolatory as well as gratifying to our feelings to consider that there is neither force nor terror but good natural sense and a right mind which alone restrain this formidable ocean this heaving mass whose bounds once broken a moral inundation would ensue in which society itself would be swallowed up shall we then refuse to co-operate with all the powers of our mind and body with those generous and enlightened spirits who ask but a little sunshine for so much misfortune courage and resignation let us now return to the alas too true specimen of distressing want we shall endeavour to describe in all its fearful and startling reality the lapidary possessed only a thin mattress and a portion of a blanket appropriated to the old grandmother who in her stupid and ferocious selfishness would not allow any person to share them with her in the beginning of the winter she had become quite violent and had even attempted to strangle the youngest child who had been put to sleep with her this poor infant was a sickly little creature of about four years old now far gone in consumption and who found it too cold inside the mattress where she slept with her brothers and sisters hereafter we shall explain this mode of sleeping so frequently employed by the very poor in comparison with whom the very animals are treated luxuriously for their litter is changed such was the picture presented in the humble garret of the poor lapidary when the eye was enabled to pierce the glooming penumbra caused by the flickering rays of the candle by the side of the partition wall not less damp and cracked than the others was placed on the floor the mattress on which the idiot grandmother reposed as she could not bear anything on her head her white hair was cut very short and revealed the shape of her head and flat forehead while her shaggy grey eyebrows shaded the deep orbits from which glared a wild savage yet crafty look her pale hollow wrinkled cheeks hung upon the bones of the face and the sharp angles of her jaws lying upon her side and almost doubled up her chin nearly touching her knees she lay shivering with cold beneath the grey rug too small to cover her all over and which as she drew it over her shoulders exposed her thin emaciated legs as well as the wretched old petticoat in which she was clad an odour most fetid and repulsive issued from this bed at a little distance from the mattress of the grandmother and still extending along the side of the wall was placed the paillasse which served as a sleeping-place for the five children who were accommodated after the following manner an opening was made at each side of the cloth which covered the straw and the children were inserted into this bed or rather foul and noisome dunghill the outer case serving both for sheet and counterpane two little girls one of whom was extremely ill shivered on one side and three young boys on the other all going to bed without undressing if indeed the miserable rags they wore could be termed clothes masses of thick dry light hair tangled ragged and uncombed left uncut because their poor mother fancied it helped to keep them warm half covered their pale thin pinched features one of the boys drew with his cold benumbed fingers the covering over their straw bed up to his chin in order to defend himself from the cold while another fearful of exposing his hands to the influence of the frost tried to grasp the bed covering with his teeth which rattled and shook in his head while the third strove to huddle up to his brothers in the hopes of gaining a little warmth the youngest of the two girls fatally attacked by consumption leaned her poor little face 
which already bore the hue of death languidly against the chilly bosom of her sister a girl just one year older who vainly sought by pressing her in her arms to impart comfort and ease to the little sufferer over whom she watched with the anxious solicitude of a parent on another paillasse also placed on the ground at the foot of that of the children the wife of the artisan was extended groaning in helpless exhaustion from the effects of a slow fever and an internal complaint which had not permitted her to quit her bed for several months madeleine morel was in her thirty-sixth year a blue cotton handkerchief tied round her low forehead made the bilious pallor of her countenance and sharp emaciated features still more conspicuous a dark halo encircled her hollow sunken eyes while her lips were split and bleeding from the effects of the fever which consumed her her dejected grief-worn physiognomy and small insignificant features indicated one of those gentle but weak natures without resource or energy which unable to struggle with misfortunes yield at once and know no remedy but vain and ceaseless lamentations and regrets weak spiritless and of limited capacity she had remained honest because her husband was so had she been left to herself it is probable that ignorance and misfortune might have depraved her mind and driven her to any lengths she loved her husband and her children but she had neither the courage nor resolution to restrain giving vent to loud and open complaints respecting their mutual misery and frequently was the lapidary whose unflinching labour alone maintained the family obliged to quit his work to console and pacify the poor valetudinarian over and above an old ragged sheet of coarse brown cloth which partially covered his wife morel had in order to impart a little warmth laid a few old clothes so worn out and patched and pieced that the pawnbroker had refused to have anything to do with them a stove a saucepan a damaged earthen stewpan two or three cracked cups scattered about on the floor a bucket a board to wash on and a large stone pitcher placed beneath the angle of the roof near the broken door which the wind kept continually blowing to and fro completed the whole of the family possessions this picture of squalid misery and desolation was lighted up by the candle whose flame agitated by the cold northeasterly wind which found its way through the tiles on the roof sometimes imparted a pale unearthly light on the wretched scene and then playing on the heaps of diamonds and rubies lying beside the sleeping artisan caused a thousand scintillating sparks to spring forth and dazzle the eye with their prismatic rays of brightness although the profoundest silence reigned around seven out of the eight unfortunate dwellers in this attic were awake and each from the grandmother to the youngest child watched the sleeping lapidary with intense emotion as their only hope their only resource and in their childlike selfishness they murmured at seeing him thus inactive and relinquishing that labour which they well knew was all they had to depend on but with different feelings of regret and uneasiness did the lookers-on observe the slumber of the toil-worn man the mother trembled for her children's meal the children thought but of themselves while the idiot neither thought of nor cared for any one all at once she sat upright in her wretched bed crossed her long bony arms yellow and dry as boxwood on her shrivelled bosom and kept watching the candle with twinkling eyes then rising slowly and stealthily she crept along trailing after her her old ragged coverlet which clung around her as though it had been her winding-sheet she was above the middle height and her hair being so closely shaven made her head appear disproportionately small a sort of spasmodic movement kept up a constant trembling in her thick pendulous underlip while her whole countenance offered the hideous model of ferocious stupidity slowly and cautiously 
the idiot approached the lapidary's work-table like a child about to commit some forbidden act when she reached the candle she held her two trembling hands over the flame and such was their skeleton-like condition that the flickering light shone through them imparting a pale livid hue to her features from her pallet madeleine morel watched every movement of the old woman who still warming herself over the candle stooped her head and with a silly kind of delight watched the sparkling of the diamonds and rubies which lay glittering on the table wholly absorbed in the wondrous contemplation of such bright and beautiful things the idiot allowed her hands to fall into the flame of the candle nor did she seem to recollect where they were till the sense of burning recalled her attention when she manifested her pain and anger by a harsh screaming cry at this sound morel started and quickly raised his head he was about forty years of age with an open intelligent and mild expression of countenance but yet wearing the sad dejected look of one who had been the sport of misery and misfortune till they had planted furrows in his cheeks and crushed and broken his spirit a grey beard of many weeks growth covered the lower part of his face which was deeply marked by the smallpox premature wrinkles furrowed his already bald forehead while his red and inflamed eyelids showed the overtaxed and sleepless days and nights of toil he so courageously endured a circumstance but too common with such of the working class are doomed by their occupation to remain nearly all day in one position had warped his figure and acting upon a naturally feeble constitution had produced a contraction of his whole frame continually obliged to stoop over his work-table and to lean to the left in order to keep his grindstone going the lapidary in a manner petrified ossified in the attitude he was frequently obliged to preserve from twelve to fifteen hours a day had acquired an habitual stoop of the shoulders and was completely drawn on one side so his left arm incessantly exercised by the difficult management of the grindstone had acquired a considerable muscular development whilst the right arm always inert and leaning on the table the better to present the faces of the diamonds to the action of the grindstone had wasted to the most extreme attenuation his wasted limbs almost paralyzed by complete want of exercise could scarcely support the weary worn-out body as though all strength substance and vitality had concentrated themselves in the only part called into play when toiling for the substance of with himself eight human creatures and often would poor morel touchingly observe it is not for myself that i care to eat but to give strength to the arm which turns the mill awaking with a sudden start the lapidary found himself directly opposite to the poor idiot what ails you what is the matter mother said morel and then added in a lower tone for fear of awaking the family whom he hoped and believed were asleep go back to bed mother madeleine and the children are asleep no father cried the eldest of the little girls i am awake i am trying to warm poor little adele and i am too hungry to go to sleep added one of the boys it was not my turn to-night to have supper with mademoiselle rigolette poor things said morel sorrowfully i thought you were asleep at least i was afraid of awaking you morel said the wife or i should have begged of you to give me a drink of water i am devoured with thirst my feverish fit has come on again i will directly said the lapidary only let me first get mother back to bed come come what are you meddling with those stones for let them alone i say cried he to the old woman whose whole attention seemed riveted upon a splendid ruby the bright scintillations of which had so charmed the poor idiot that she was trying by every possible means to gain possession of it there's a pretty thing 
there there replied the woman pointing with vehement gestures to the prize she so ardently coveted i shall be angry in a few minutes exclaimed morel speaking in a loud voice to terrify his mother-in-law into submission and gently pushing back the hand she advanced to seize her desired treasure oh morel morel murmured madeleine i am parching dying with thirst how can you be so cruel as to refuse me a little water but how can i at present i must not allow mother to meddle with these stones perhaps to lose me a diamond as she did a year ago and god alone knows the wretchedness and misery it cost us i may still occasion us ah that unfortunate loss of the diamond what have we not suffered by it as the poor lapidary uttered these words he passed his hand over his aching brow with a desponding air and said to one of the children felix give your mother something to drink you are awake and can attend to her no no exclaimed madeline he will take cold i will wait oh mother said the boy rising never mind me i shall be quite as warm up as i am in this paillasse come will you let the things alone cried morel in a threatening tone to the idiot woman who kept bending over the precious stones and trying to seize them spite of all his efforts to move her from the table mother called out felix what shall i do the water in the pitcher is frozen quite hard then break the ice murmured madeline it is so thick i can't answered the boy morel exclaimed madeline in a querulous and impatient tone since there is nothing but water for me to drink let me at least have a draught of that you are letting me die with thirst god of heaven grant me patience cried the unfortunate man how can i leave your mother to lose and destroy these stones pray let me manage her first but the lapidary found it no easy matter to get rid of the idiot who beginning to feel irritated at the constant opposition she met with gave utterance to her displeasure in a sort of hideous growl call her wife said morel she will attend to you sometimes mother mother called madeline go to bed and be good and then you shall have some of that nice coffee you are so fond of i want that and that there there replied the idiot making a desperate effort this time to possess herself of a heap of rubies she particularly coveted morel firmly but gently repulsed her all in vain with pertinacious obstinacy the old woman kept struggling to break from his grasp and snatch the bright gems on which she kept her eyes fixed with eager fondness you will never manage her said madeleine unless you frighten her with the whip there is no other means of making her quiet i am afraid not returned morel but though she has no sense it yet goes to my heart to be obliged to threaten an old woman like her with the whip then addressing the old woman who was trying to bite him and whom he was holding back with one hand he said in a loud and terrible voice take care you'll have the whip on your shoulders if you don't make haste to bed this very instant these menaces were equally vain with his former efforts to subdue her morel then took a whip which lay beside his work-table and cracking it violently said get to bed with you directly get to bed as the loud noise of the whip saluted the ear of the idiot she hurried away from the lapidary's work-table then suddenly turning around she uttered low grumbling sounds between her clenched teeth while she surveyed her son-in-law with looks of the deepest hatred to bed to bed i say 
continued he still advancing and feigning to raise his whip with the intention of striking while the idiot holding her fist towards her son-in-law retreated backwards to her wretched couch the lapidary anxious to terminate this painful scene that he might be at liberty to attend to his sick wife kept still advancing towards the idiot woman brandishing and cracking his whip though without allowing it to touch the unhappy creature repeatedly exclaiming to bed to bed directly do you hear the old woman now thoroughly conquered and fully believing in the reality of the threats held out began to howl most hideously and crawling into her bed like a dog to his kennel she kept up a continued series of cries screams and yells while the frightened children believing their poor old grandmother had actually been beaten began crying piteously exclaiming don't beat poor granny father pray don't flog granny End of chapter twelve part one read by celine major